0: Download the Anchor app or go to Anchor.fm to get started. Hello and welcome to the Nobody Likes Casey McLean podcast. This is your host, Casey McLean. How is it going? Uh, we are back for another week. I'm there. I'm, I'm in the space. I've talked about putting this on video the last couple episodes. I didn't even put video up and here we are. Let's make sure we're recording before I get too crazy. We are in what will become. A little bit more useful podcast space right now um hopefully what i've done by the way i have this green screen behind me but hopefully you can't even tell hopefully it looks like i'm sitting in like it's a believable image of me sitting in the diner from seinfeld or whatever whatever i'm sure it'll just be the podcast logo but thank you for listening by the way like uh the, I've seen, there was a dip, the RIP Comedy Underground one might be the least listened to episode in the history of the podcast, but you rebounded on the solo one. Thank you guys so much. Um, if you want to support this podcast, you can do so, uh, financially if you'd like to at anchor.fm. You don't have to. Uh, last episode I talked about how the one financial uh, supporter, Robert Springer, if you're out there, he changed his mind. He stopped supporting the podcast. So, uh, that's fine. There's nothing in it for you. It's just the knowledge that you are supporting this podcast. Uh, please come see me do stand up this week. Well, if you are in the, there's a, there's a challenge to seeing me do stand up this week because depending on what happens tomorrow, uh, I will be either flying to an undisclosed location, very likely on Wednesday, or if that doesn't happen, I will be participating in Todd Royce and Friends in Phoenix, Arizona. So both exciting dates. Uh, You'll have to stay tuned to my, and by tomorrow, I'm recording this on Monday, so this podcast will come out on Wednesday, so it's possible that by the time you listen to this, I will know if I'm doing another thing, and I'm not going to have time to put it in back into this podcast, so please check out uh, my Twitter account. I'm sure I won't shut up about it if it happens. Um, yeah, thank you for for uh, coming out and seeing me do stand-up. I am in Port Orchard on July 24th. At the, uh, Peninsula Beverage Company. And then pretty cool, a pretty cool show coming up. I will be opening for New York comedian, one of the best around Pete Lee at the Hard Rock Cafe. Uh, the first Hard Rock Cafe event being done by the pop-up comedy club, pop-up comedy show. I did a show for them in Monroe, Washington. It was very fun. So I'm excited to see what they do at Hard Rock Cafe. I've actually been trying to get booked at Hard Rock Cafe for a couple of years now, and it's just never happened. So there, I'm there. I'm going to be there, baby. Uh, Pete Lee's amazing, by the way. Come check that out. And then I'll be, if you live in Spokane, Washington, I will be, uh, August 12th, or no, sorry, August 13th and 14th. I'm opening for Bobcat Goldthwaite at Spokane Comedy Club. Come check that out. It's going to be a blast. Uh, I've, like grown up knowing him as a movie star and a director more than a, a comedian, but he's got a long history as a comic also. So that'll be very fun. And then we'll see. I mean, I'm, I'm trying to balance a uh, family, uh, family life and comedy. And I do better some weeks and worse other weeks. So I'm in a stretch right now where I'm getting booked pretty heavily and that's good. I'm making a good amount of money doing comedy, but it's, it's stressful. Um you know this week is a good example like I have a couple weeks ago or now it's a couple months ago you guys got to hear me uh the days before I found out that I was not going to open for Whitney Cummings which was uh would have been extremely exciting and then I my dream like I said on the podcast was we hit it off she makes me a semi-regular opener. By next year, my daughter is calling her Aunt Whitney. Like that would have been the dream. And my pal, uh, Ronan Hirschberg opened for her in Baltimore and then he opened for her in Portland. The dream came true for him. I mean, he doesn't have a kid. So no, she's not Aunt Whitney to Ronan's kid yet. Uh, so yeah, I'm in a, I'm in a similar boat right now waiting to find out. And then the moment I find out if I get picked, like I'm, uh, I'm turning my life upside down. You know what I mean? Like it's going to be a lot to happen. Luckily it's summer breaks. My wife's a teacher. It's summer break. So it's not as bad. It's not as hard on her, but it's still difficult. Like it's still very difficult to flip your life around. Uh, and I'll be excited to do it. It's a, it's a comic that I've wanted to work with for a long time so it'll be very cool and I'll be very appreciative but it will be very stressful and also the mo- as those minutes keep ticking the flight the cost of a flight keeps going up and I already have I'm going to have to eat a bunch of money in phoenix um I don't think I'll be able to if I I don't think I would be able to cancel my flights if I can I will do that uh but maybe and then I've got an Airbnb paid for with my pal uh my pal and former podcast guest Josh Firestein. That I'm just going to have to eat that cost for sure because I don't want to leave him fucked. Um so yeah, it's uh you're catching me in a in another stressful moment. Does this feel engaging me leaned forward like this? I don't know. It feels better for me. I feel better on the microphone. I I'm, I'm debating on if we should have like arms on these microphones or just, I kind of like the stands also. Um, all right, let's talk about some other stuff. How, the, uh, my wife and I went to Portland last week, which was fun. Uh, it's the first time we've been, my daughter was like maybe six weeks old. The last time we went very young, we were, she was very young, but I also remember we went there and we were in a brewery, and a woman was there with a child that was even younger. And it was like a point of pride. Like, oh, she has the youngest kid in the in this brewery. Um, yeah, I want to say my daughter was like six weeks old, and she'll be... My daughter will be two years old at the beginning of August. So it's almost two years ago was the last time we've been to Portland. I've been... So I love Portland and I'd love to do comedy in Portland by the way. People people uh occasionally will harass me to go do comedy in Portland proper. And I would love to. I'm uh I love Portland. I love the city. They also have a vibrant comedy scene and they're also a little bit um there's there's a handful of woke scolds in Portland and I'm not saying I'm not Andrew Dice Clay over here, but uh I definitely I like to, I like to find the edge, right? I was thinking about this the other day. What I would call my comedy is I like to live in the space between insensitive and offensive, meaning I don't want to offend anybody ever. I never want to offend anybody. Now I might, you know, like many comedians put, put back me in a corner. I might take some liberties. I might say some offensive shit or on a roast. A roast is essentially, like, being backed in a corner, uh, like, of your own volition, at your own decision, basically. So, yeah, I'll do that. But, so, yeah, there's certain things where I think, like, um, I think it's fun to, like, press against this kind of tense topic. And a lot of places, and especially in the time when... Comedy was like mostly being attended by people who in our area, in my area, which is a very blue area, it was mostly being attended by people who were maybe a little on the, uh, COVID is overblown. COVID is a hoax side of the political spectrum. Uh, those shows were like no rules. And I got kind of used to that. Like, I did some shows in Spokane. Those were great. The, the I mean, I headlined, uh, headlined Spokane Comedy Club, Coeur d'Alene, Idaho. Nobody gave a shit. I did some other shows in Spokane where the audience that was there, which weren't very many people, they didn't give a shit. Lewiston, Idaho, they didn't give a shit. Um, Washougal, Washington, they didn't give a shit. And last week I did a show in uh, Rainier Valley, or I guess it's probably Columbia City, At uh, Northwest Peaks Brewing and the guy that used to produce there, this is what's interesting to me is the guy that originally produced shows there is like one of the edgiest comics that I'm friends with, which is saying something because oftentimes the guys that are like super edgy are difficult to be friends with, but this is a guy I'm friends with and he does some material that I'm like, shit in that room, you make it work in that room. I don't know that he makes it work or not. I suspect that he does it in that room. So anyway, I go to that room, and uh, I had an okay set. I did, like, 50 minutes. I had an okay set. But anytime I would press against one of those topics, I lost them. I just lost the crowd. So, like, any racial thing, um, slightly racial thing, again, it's, like, what I like is to uh, to spend my time between insensitive and offensive and not past to offensive. And so they didn't want that. Um, I had a joke about how I have a joke in my act. It's in my merch pitch where I reference how uh, my cat is half white and half black, which is strange because my wife and I are both white. And then I say that I'm glad my daughter didn't come out that way, which I think I'm allowed to say. But in Seattle, when they're when they're doing like the math in their head over what is and isn't offensive, uh you're not allowed to say that you're happy your wife didn't fuck another man. Disallowed. You're disallowed. They did, I will say I do have one line that Rural crowds, conservative crowds don't laugh at that I think is funny that I've believed in the whole time and it crushed in Seattle. And so I don't know if they're too like sensitive to the topic or dumb or whatever in these like kind of roadhouse bars or whatever, but, uh, it crushed in Seattle. It's self deprecating. It's like, you know, technically it's like a sarcastic joke that I guess is technically a feminist joke. Um, but. Anyway, I wasn't in Portland for comedy is the point. I was there exclusively to eat and drink because it's a great town for food and beverage. They have great breweries. I still feel like I have heartburn by the way from from the trip um Jesus. they have great breweries. maybe our favorite brewery is a couple is uh Cascade barrel house, which is fantastic a lot of um a lot of sour beers. They have, uh, they have a restaurant there called Mediterranean Exploration Company that's truly like one of my favorite restaurants I've ever been to. It's some like, it's food from all over the Mediterranean. So there's like Israeli influence, there's Lebanese and Moroccan and all the shit, all the other countries that are Mediterranean that I don't really know because uh, geography isn't my strong suit. Those countries are supposed to be represented also. And it's amazing food. Every time I go, I get this, they have a grilled octopus arm or whatever. And it's amazing. It's like best thing on the menu, probably. They also have, this is going to seem like a small thing or or an easy thing to execute, but I've found out that it's not. They have uh, the best hummus I've ever had. So we go Cascade we go to this place called Sparky's Pizza, which is just like New York pizza by the slice. That's like, to me, that's the pinnacle of all pizza. It's simple, but it's easy. And if done right, it is delicious. And then we went to um, Modern Times Brewing, which replaced this brewery that I loved in Portland called the Commons. And uh, did not. Have as good of an experience there as other places some of these places i there's a there's a saying my friend uh, Taylor Bonzer says, which is that they start sniffing their own farts, and it's a good saying and it's probably not his maybe it's his, but it's it might not be, and they like the smell, and that's kind of I think what's happening at this modern times place, but what they did have there that I really loved is and I've really, places, there seems to be a revival in this regard. West Coast style IPAs. If you're a beer fan at all, you've probably noticed that you cannot fucking escape hazy IPAs. And that's actually, by the way, uh, that is the thing that really started to cause the most problems with my throat previous to me getting my tonsils taken out. By the way, still doesn't feel great. Gonna have to follow up with the doctor. What I don't understand is if I... So, if I go get, like, my oil changed and they don't put on the fucking cap and all my oil drains out, they gotta give me a new, like, fresh oil, right? But if I go and this guy didn't do my surgery right, which it feels better than it did, but it's not healing the way that I expected. Certainly not as quickly as I expected. I don't know if you can tell, but I... um. The soft palate, my soft palate is swollen. It's still got like kind of scabby stuff. My my uh, uvula has some swelling still. We're like eight nine weeks removed from this this surgery, so I'm coming for you, doc. <laughs> I don't think you get like a. I think you just have to like. What I don't want to do is have another fucking surgery that causes me. To not be able to eat solid foods because I'll tell you this, uh, this last one, this, um, this, uh, tonsil surgery, I was like on the verge of tears. <laughs> like it was fucking miserable. I underestimated how bad it would be. It started the, the other thing is, and I, I read about this luckily, which was like nice to actually read is around day nine of your recovery. Maybe it's day seven, but it's particularly difficult emotionally because you go through these periods these waves of like oh it's getting better oh we ripped the scabs off oh it's getting better oh the you know whatever so like day seven maybe like day five i'm like eating solid food not i mean i'm not i'm not fucking eating tacos crunchy shell tacos but I'm eating solid food, and it was like, oh, my God, that's just the thing you don't realize is, like, how much fucking yogurt and ice cream. I was drinking one milkshake. Uh I was drinking two milkshakes a day, basically, two enormous milkshakes a day. I would take uh, liquid ibuprofen. I would consume the maximum dosage, maybe even slightly more, like a, like a heavy maximum dosage. I would wait 30 minutes because that's about how long it takes to kick in. I would eat an entire milkshake, uh, because it hurts so goddamn bad to swallow and you get so tired. I know it sounds whiny, but you get so tired of milkshakes. You get so tired. Rice pudding, like that was good for a minute. And then it's like, fuck, how many servings of rice pudding can I eat in a row? I tried to risotto. That was like the first savory solid food I had. And the first meal I was like, Oh my God, I'm back, baby. I feel great. And then the next one, it's like unbearably painful to eat. And that's where it becomes frustrating as you think you're recovering and you regress. But you're not actually regressing. It's just part of the healing process. It's part of the scabbing over the scabs fall off and then new scabs form and blah, blah, blah and scar tissue and et cetera. And it heals the way it heals and all that. Like I get that. Uh, it's hard to maintain and then i was also by the way i was um i was in the two weeks notice period of my most recent uh former job and that was that was tough because i wanted to give i wanted to contribute my final two weeks but how much can i i can i mean i'm like you know, it's difficult to talk on a zoom. Uh, I was trying to get off painkillers. I stopped those too early. I always stopped painkillers way before they say, and I did too with this, but I thought like day two or three, I could get by without them. Boy, was I wrong. (laughs) I was like, I think I was two or three days early. Uh, I hate narcotic pain medication. It doesn't, but like, it's, it's not like even, I mean, I am worried about getting addicted to it because you hear those stories about people like they go their whole lives, they're upstanding citizens and then they just get addicted to all of a sudden they, uh, hurt their back on the job and they're sucking dick for fentanyl or whatever. (laughs) Like, I don't want to be that guy. That is not, uh, I'm desperately, that is everything I want for myself is to not be sucking dick for fentanyl. Um. But that's not even the reason I don't like them. They just don't... I mean, I'm, like, drowsy. I'm useless. I lose a whole day. If I'm taking narcotic pain medication, I lose a whole day, basically. Um, And so I didn't want to keep losing days. I may not look like the most motivated guy in the world. I might be sweating under my boobs right now, but... Oh, my God, I am. That's embarrassing. Jesus, why is this on video? I guess if this is going to happen, we got to put the fucking air conditioner on because... Even though it'll make noise, it's over there. It's in the window. I'm looking at it right now. This is embarrassing. It's too embarrassing. How, oh, fucking disgusting. But I'm a motivated guy. I'm a hard worker. And I don't like being on the, I don't like being on the sideline. It was hard enough not being able to do stand-up, but, like, not even being able to, like, lead the the 2029 Jacksonville Jaguars to their 8th. Super Bowl championship because I don't want to get out of bed? That's too much. Um, What else did I have written down? I wrote some notes, folks. I don't know how well I'm following them. Oh, my God. Yeah, so the uh, it's the Major League Baseball All-Star Game is this weekend. And if I go to Arizona, I will be attending an Arizona Diamondbacks game. Boy, am I glad I didn't buy... Tickets in advance. And if I don't go to Arizona and go to the other place that I might go with that unnamed comedian, I uh, I'm not going to any baseball games. Although I do think they have the well, I'm not gonna say because you could look this up easily. I think it would be possible uh potentially to go to a baseball game, but I'm not gonna do it. That being said, uh there was a there was a seizure. Let's pull this up. This is a CNN headline. So trust it however however much you you want to. Police say they found about a dozen firearms in Denver Hotel, close to site of the MLB All-Star Game. Uh, so about a dozen guns, $1,120 in cash, a large amount of drugs, and... see to me this sounds like there's two options here if this is if this is related to um if this is related to these guys this to me doesn't sound like they were trying to assassinate any major league baseball players this sounds like they maybe were trying to sell uh party drugs to major league baseball players I don't know that this is necessarily oh yeah they, they don't even think the FBI in Denver doesn't think it's, uh, it was a terrorist plot or anything like that. Um, 1120 bucks doesn't seem like that much money for, uh, for, a guy, guys with a bunch of rifles and ecstasy pills, you know, I don't know how much ecstasy goes for. That's not never been my thing. So it just doesn't seem like that much money. I think we might need to talk to these gentlemen about their margins, if that's all they're carrying around. Then I guess the final thing that I'll, I want to talk about is, um, Stephen, God, I put myself in this position. Do you remember at the, at the beginning of Trump's presidency, there was this amazing video that came out because I'm not, I think Donald Trump was a pretty bad president. Actually, I would say as much as I know, which is very little, I'm trying to write a bit about this, but, um, of what's going on in Biden's presidency the clips that I hear that make, uh, vocal liberals mad about what Biden is doing quite often those clips, I'm like, Oh fuck, maybe this guy is good. Uh, maybe I like him more than I thought. I mean, I voted for him, but begrudgingly anyway, early in Trump's presidency, there was this video that came out on YouTube that was, uh, Like, stop making me defend Trump because people were exaggerating how bad he was, which was he was very bad. He was so bad that exaggerating how bad he was only really I think it only really served to give ammunition for like this fake news bullshit. And so I find myself in this position with Stephen A. Smith, who, if I was better prepared and I will be next week as I, you know, this, this podcast area evolves slowly while I'm trying to hold the rest of my life together, I would play the audio. But he basically said that part of the reason Major League Baseball is in a tough spot is because their biggest star, the face of, of Major League Baseball right now is Shohei Otani. And Shohei Otani doesn't speak to the media without an interpreter. So let's talk about Shohei Otani for a second, because this fucking guy, he's, he was in the home run derby today. He will, I think as you listen to this, he will have started the All-Star game as a pitcher, led off the All-Star game, as a hitter, and then we'll DH for some additional portion of the game after he's done pitching, which is so amazing. What he is doing is so historic. Even, by the way, there was a time when pitchers were better hitters and when pitchers hit in both leagues. Uh, Even for that time, compared to his era, this is historic. I think he's he might still be Oh my god, I'm still I'm still burping up um Portland food. We went to this place by the way. So we went to Modern Times and then we went to Backwoods Brewing, which is great. Great people. They have this beer that they didn't have on tap, but it's it's their Double Cut IPA, their Double IPA. If you're ever anywhere and that thing comes out, you better get it. It was amazing when I had it, but it was several years ago. Cause it's impossible to find now. Um, so we go there, we go backwoods Mediterranean exploration company, salt and straw ice cream, which is like, I think a Portland local, like local chain. Like there's multiple locations inside of the city of Portland and we ended at this place called Botanist which is a cocktail bar. My wife had this drink that was so goddamn good. Um Yeah, Shohei Ohtani is leading Major League Baseball in home runs and is the the AL starter in the All-Star game. Botanist was so goddamn good. Uh and this drink was so good. It was, they called it like the Timberline and Trade Winds. It was uh it doesn't sound good. We just took recommendations, and I'm glad we did, because there's absolutely no way my wife would have ordered this drink. It was vodka, apple butter, which is where they would have lost her, lemon juice, and honey. It was so I mean, I drank like half of it. I had, we counted it, by the end of the night, I had either 10 or 10 and a half drinks, but spread out over like seven and a half hours, so I was... I was never drunk, but I was never sober. You know that feeling? I think that's a pretty good spot to be in, uh, alcohol-wise. Anyway, Shohei Otani is having this amazingly historic season. Also, he's like a good-looking dude. Uh, uh, Young. Uh, International appeal, obviously. And Stephen A. Smith said this thing, and people are jumping all over him, like he said, to build the wall. And I don't like Stephen A. Smith. I <laughs> think he's very annoying. I don't understand how, why ESPN thinks that what he's doing is appealing to people, and apparently it is because his show must have ratings. Um, that's not what he's saying about Shohei Otani. In my opinion, is a kind of similar thing to what people said about Ichiro here in Seattle. And I think it sounds like the fir- your first blush, a lot of people are like, who gives a fuck if he talks through an interpreter? Let him talk through an interpreter. Except for, this is where there's a problem, in my opinion, is most Latin American players conduct their own interviews without an interpreter. They are forced to, or compelled to, or they choose to, historically struggle through their own interviews. And so, uh, I don't think what Stephen A. Smith is saying is because he's Japanese. It's not, uh, xenophobic or racist. In my opinion, I think what he's saying is it's hard to be brimming with charisma through an interpreter. The dude's the most exciting player to hit baseball since Mike Trout. There's no doubt about that. uh, yeah, I mean, maybe maybe if Steven Strasburg debuted after Trout, but I don't think he did. Or uh, Bryce Harper, I suppose. It would probably be. These are like, I'm just going to keep naming players. Um, Fernando Tatis. Junior, not senior. Yeah, what, what he's saying is, it would be like, I think an example of this is it's going to be one of the things that holds, uh, that would have held if... If Giannis Antetokounmpo was unwilling to do an interview uh, without an interpreter, he'd be less of a less of a marketable star. And it's him being a less of a marketable star is his problem. Endorsements or whatever would be less, but it's also the league's problem. It's also the team's problem, right? Like I, I, I think. Stephen A. Smith rarely deserves a break on the stupid shit he said. And I, and I don't even necessarily a, agree with what he said. Although that's pretty, pretty half-assed of me. Like, I think that my, I actually think he's making a decent point. Uh, if you interpret it the worst way possible, then yeah, of course you're going to come to the conclusion that Stephen A. Smith is a horrible bigot. Uh, I don't think that's what he meant. And I think that to interpret it that way is intentional. And I kind of think that like, in my opinion, when you have this opportunity to like read into something's nuance and decide like, well, is it the, it's Occam's razor shit. It's like, is it the worst thing that it could possibly be? Or is it the most likely thing that it, which is that he's what he said is what he meant. And there wasn't some deep seated racist message behind it. And I'd go with. It's probably the one. Let's assume he's dumber than he is uh diabolical. All right. I think that's how we're going to end the podcast. Um Thank you for listening. Please subscribe. Tell a friend. Uh, subscribe to my YouTube. I'm going to keep putting stand-up clips up there. Eventually, I'm going to record a chunk of material that I want to release so I can stop fucking saying it. So come out and see me do stand-up live if you would. And uh thank you for listening, and I'll talk to you soon.